The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. Our message today is 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 21, the, the final section of the book of 1 John. And what we're looking at are the great certainties of the gospel that John gives us here. Now, in, in the book of John, 1 John, we have the tests of life. They're, they're meant to serve to identify pseudo-Christians, false Christians. False Christians had, had infiltrated churches all around the Black Sea. They were basically Gnostics who elevated uh, knowledge, learned knowledge above everything else rather than a relationship with Christ. And so this book was meant to serve to identify false Christians, but it was not designed to create uncertainty in the minds of true believers. Actually, it provides a grounds for assurance to the true believer. John closes the letter with five certainties that we should we have as Christians. This is 1 John chapter 5 verses 13 through 21. I'm going to read this section. Uh, 1 John chapter 5, verses 13 through 21. This is how it reads. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked him from him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give for him, give life to those who commit sin not leading to death. But there is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he should make request for this. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not leading to death. We know that no one who is born of God sins. Now that, let me explain that, that phrase. What is, is, if I were to translate it literally, it would go like this. We know that no one who has been born of God, perfect tense, means, means that you've experienced a new birth, and now you are born-again believers. So he says, we know that no one who is, has been born of God, and it's a present tense, is continually sinning. We don't carry on a life of sin. We know that no one who has been born of God carries on a life of sin. But he who was born of God keeps him. That is, the Lord Jesus Christ keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come, and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Then the final verse in the book of 1 John, and it may be the final verse in the whole Bible, uh, that was that was added in the Bible because this book was one of the later ones. And this is what it says. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. We are to watch out for idolatry because it's all around us. And Satan has his way of getting wanting us to become idolaters rather than worshipers of the living and true God. Now, throughout this section, he talks about knowledge. He uses two primary words. The word oida means intuitive knowledge. It means knowing something just because you know it. It's a natural thing for you to know it. Whereas the word gnosko is meant, it means to learn, to, to come to know something through experience. And it's the word that's used to refer to our relational knowledge with God. We know God as our Father. And so 
uh, in our experience, we have come to know certain things through our relationship with God and his son. Uh, This is my beloved son, remember Jesus said, in whom I am well pleased. This was his testimony concerning his son. When Jesus was baptized, and then later when he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, God made these same statements. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now, these certainties that we have here in this last chapter begins in verse 13. In verse 13, we have the certainty of eternal life. They had been unsettled by false teachers. And the whole purpose of the Gospel of John was to deal with these false teachers. In fact, he says in chapter 20 of John, the Gospel of John, verse 31, he says, But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now notice what John's purpose is described here, how it's described here in four different stages in his gospel, that you should hear, and hearing you should believe, and believing you should live, and living you should know. So it's hear, believe, live, and know. Now the assurance of salvation is not pride, it's not presumptions. Just because you know you're saved doesn't mean that you are proud or you are presumptuous. You can't be certain until you die, some people say. There's actually a little denomination that believes you will not know that you're a Christian until you die. And then, if things go like they should go for Christians, then you are a Christian. And, but until then, you can't know for sure. But this, but, and so they think it's presumption for us to say, we know we're saved. We know that we are Christians. We know that we have a relationship with Christ. But certainty and humility are not exclusive to each other. You can, you can have uncertainty, but it's not humility. Uncertainty doesn't mean humility. God's revealed purpose is that we should hear, believe, live, and know. And the presumption is doubting his word is not trusting it. God has given us his word about his son. If you want to know what the gospel is, go and read 1 Corinthians 15, and you will see that God wants us to know the truth about his son. And so we can be certain when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not presumptuous of us to say that we are certain that we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. If we believe the testimony concerning the Son of God. Now this is what First John talks about a lot in this book towards the end of this chapter, is that God's testimony concerning His Son is this, that He has given Him eternal life, and, eternal, and this eternal life is in the Son. So whoever has the Son has eternal life, And whoever does not have the Son of God does not have eternal life. So salvation comes through a person. And it's when this person comes into relationship with us, when we come into relationship with him, we have salvation. We have eternal life. And it's not presumptuous for us to believe that we have eternal life because we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. It's in him that we trust. We're trusting him. He has come into our life and he has given us eternal life. Why did he give us eternal life? Well, we're told in John 17, 3, that he gave us eternal life so that we could know God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. God wants us to know him. He wants us to know him relationally, to know him as our father. And so we need to be clear about this, that uncertainty is not humility. It's not humility to say, well, I don't know for sure if I'm saved. God's revealed purpose is that we should hear, believe, live, and know. Presumption is doubting his word, not trusting it. This verse clearly implies that it's possible to be a believer, have eternal life, but not know that you have eternal life. 
be truly saved and yet have doubts about your salvation. There's a big difference between assurance, security, and perseverance. The next certainty is the certainty of uh, answered prayer, and that is that we can we can we can be certain that God hears us. He has our request, and He is our Father, and we have confidence that He will answer. Now, that doesn't mean we have carte blanche. It's not that He's our errand boy to satisfy our every wandering desire, but rather that. When we know that he has our requests, we know that he knows the whole story. When Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, Father, if it's your will, let this cup pass from me. And so he, he wasn't trying to get his will done by the Father. He wanted the Father's will done. And this is how our prayer life must be. We must seek to have God, God's will done through our prayers. So we need to have our prayers lined up with the will of God. And that's what we hope prayer will do. It will line our desires up with the very desire of the Father. In verse 18, we have another certainty, the certainty of victory over sin. And what we're told here in in Romans 3, 9 is, He that has been born of God does not practice sin. Now, how could that possibly be? Well, it's because God changes our constitution we, we come to have Christ living in us, and so when we're born again, we can no longer continue in sin. Well, it doesn't mean we cannot commit an act of sin. It means we can't live in sin. And so he says, this is, this, we know this, that he who has been born of God, which is speaking about an event in the past with ongoing effects, we have been born of God, and therefore we are born ones of God, and we cannot practice sin. And then in verse 19, we have the certainty of relationship with God. Satan is unable to touch the Christian, but the world lies wholly in his grip. It's kind of a picture of the world being rocked to sleep in the lap of Satan. And so Satan uh, cannot touch us, but he does have the world in his lap. And that's why he can bring us such negative uh, things into our lives, because he is, this, this world system belongs to him, and he will use it in whatever ways he can in order to destroy the children of God. And then in verse 19, we have the certainty of our relationship with God. Satan is unable to touch the Christian, but the world lies wholly in his grip. The picture is of a child in this parent's lap, and all men are either of God or in the evil one. There are no other alternatives. And then fi- the final certainty is found in, in uh, verse 20, the certainty of understanding God in Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but your belonging to Christ, having a relationship with Christ, means that you're coming to know God in a more intimate way every day. You are growing in your understanding and knowledge of God. The Son of God has come, and He is the mediator of our knowledge with of God. That united with Him, we are in union with God. He has come, and we are now in union with God. And he says, For I proceeded forth and have come from God. He has come from God to communicate God to us. We're told in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2, that God has chosen, even though he has spoken to us in many different ways, many different channels, but in these last days he has spoken to us in a son, because the son perfectly communicates the reality of who the Father is. And this is where we have this whole idea of of our gnosko knowledge, that is the knowledge of God through experience, uh, a continuous and progressive apprehension of God. So this this knowledge comes through our vital union with Christ. We are united with the Father by being united with the Son. To know Christ 
is first to know God. To be in Christ is to be in God. So the conclusion is, therefore, guard yourselves from idols, he says in verse 21. This this is in the aorist tense, and this kind of uh, a command is, is it, it communicates urgency. An idol is whatever usurps the place of God in the heart. Uh, it's either a person or a system or a project or wealth or passion or whatever. But anything that replaces God is an idol. And so he says, see to it that you do not try to satisfy your hearts with shams, but let them rest rather in the true, the genuine God, who is to be found only in the only begotten Son, made flesh for our redemption. May be the last words written in the, in the Bible, because these are the last words written in the book of Jude, which comes right before the last book of the Bible. And so it is possible that these were the last words that were recorded in the New Testament. Keep yourselves from idols. And uh, we now, at this point in our life, have these certainties. We have these certainties, the certainty of eternal life, because we've received Christ. This life is in the Son. Whoever has the Son has the life. The certainty of answered prayer. God wants us to pray, and he wants us to pray in order to see his will done. This is why we pray. And this is why Jesus said in the garden when he was praying that he would not drink the cup, he says, but not my will, your will be done. And this is what prayer is for, is for us lining ourselves up with his will. Jesus Christ is not an errand boy to satisfy our wondering desires, as Bob Dylan says in one of his songs. He's he's not a convenient device for imposing our will on God or bending his will to ours. Rather, it is meant for us to align ourselves with his will and to pray according to his will. This is how we have confidence in prayer, is when we pray according to his will. We know what his will is. I one time had a, an opportunity. I saw God, God's hand work in a wonderful way. I was praying and asking him to give me an opportunity to share the gospel with a man that I never thought I would have opportunity to do. And sure enough, within a period of just a couple of months, we were together and I had the opportunity to talk to him about Christ and to share Christ with him. And he came to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and put his trust in Christ and became a believer And that is because I prayed according to the will of God. God's will was to see him saved. He had had drawn him out and given him faith in Jesus Christ. He became a believer. And this is what God wants you to do in prayer. He wants you to pray according to his will. And he will show you his will as you seek his face and go before him. He will show you things obviously in your life that you know he wants to accomplish and do and to glorify his son. And this is, this is why we can ask him with great confidence that if he hears us, we have what we're asking for. This is what, this is what prayer is for. It's to glorify God. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for who we have in Christ Jesus, that he is our salvation. We thank you that we are in Christ, and therefore our whole standing before you has changed. We are accepted in, in Christ, Father. We thank you for that. And we thank that we are. We thank you that we are in Christ as well, that this this new standing. But we also that He is in us, the hope of glory. He is transforming us. He's changing us because He is present in us. And we pray that He would lead us in prayer, Father, that we would know how to come before You and seek Your will and seek Your understanding, Father. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen. To respond to this message or learn more please visit calvarytruth.org.